Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Watermark Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Now let's continue our holiday series, Near. So we are, we are jumping in today, and uh, the verse of the series, if you, if you haven't been here, we've been doing a series called Near, and uh, it's all about Jesus coming in a manger to be as near, to take away separation. And Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now listen, this is packed. This, I love this verse because it's sandwiched in between a lot of verses that we just kind of just share. Don't be anxious for anything, you know what I'm saying, but prayer and petition. That's awesome. That's a great verse to use. And then it opens up by saying, Give, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then it says, don't be anxious. And it says, let the Lord transform not just your mind, but your heart to be renewed, be transformed, and, and to live this way. These are all great verses in themselves. And we all say, do this, do this, do this. But we miss a few little words sandwiched at the heart of this, which is knowing that the Lord is near. This all works together, you not being anxious and learning how to pray and petition and talk to the Lord. You rejoicing, you being transformed here and here, all works when you have him near. I think we say these like, don't be anxious, but it, it works when we know that God is near, that God is present. So why did Jesus come? Pretty easy to restore relationship with his people. There was a quote that says this by Sean Thornton. It says, Jesus didn't come to start a religion about God. He came to restore our relationship with God. He came to restore our hearts. He came to restore a broken relationship. He came for relationship because he loves his creation. I said last week, it's amazing because the creator became the created because of this relationship issue. He came to remove separation because sin separates. Sin pulls us apart. And he says, I'm going to remove separation. And he says, I don't want there to be a distance anymore. I've been sharing this the whole series. And what I've been saying is this, hope it, it drives in your heart. He goes the distance, Jesus went the distance to remove the distance. Jesus came to earth as a baby, died on a cross for our sins to remove the distance from his people. He went the distance to remove the distance. This, if you don't believe that God wants relationship, the first people on earth, Adam and Eve, Jesus says that God walked with them. They were created in relationship. They were created for relationship with the Lord. That was the way creation was supposed to be. And it is the plan, the designer, to have relationship. Now we go into the New Testament, and Paul, 
go through all of his missionary journeys. Paul is literally starting churches. He went from Saul killing Christians to Paul transforming and building the church. And then in Philippians, it says this, Philippians 3, 7 through 11, but whatever were gains to me, which is church planning, loving people, seeing miracles, doing missions work, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's a powerful sentence. Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And he says, for those whose sake I have lost all things. He's not complaining. He said, I lost all things for him. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not separated, not in hiding, but found in the Lord. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is on the basis of faith. And I love this. This is my favorite. That I may that I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation of his suffering, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. Because I count all things garbage, even good things, compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Nothing compares to that. It's like he's saying, I want to know you. I just don't want to know more stuff about you. I want to know you more. I believe that we need, listen, hear me out. We need, including me, a more of a revelation of who God is in our lives, not just more information. Listen, I think information is good. I think it's good to have podcasts and sermons and read books and, you know, come on church on Sundays and listen to me share. I think it's good for you to sit in groups and even have your own life group, and this is all good things. I think it's good for you to be challenged, and I think it's good for you to have conversations and even go theology deep with me. That's fine. But can I just tell you this? If there's a lot of information without revelation, there's not a lot of heart change going on. What, the question is, what is God revealing to your heart? What is God saying to you? Revelation comes from relationship. It comes from saying, God, what do I need to change? What, God, what do I need to do in here? Lord, what do you have me to see? Lord, what are you trying to reveal? It's asking those hard questions. My walk with God is, is something of revelations from him. It's, in other words, it's revealings. When I read scripture, it's not just about me reading scripture. It's about letting the Holy Spirit in scripture read my heart. God, what do I need to work on in this? And it's not, God, why are you separated from me? It's God saying, what have I put in a way to separate from you? God, what's going on in here? Because no matter what, we all need an Emmanuel moment or a God with us experience. 
because God, God designed us to need relationship with him and with others. So I've got a few points I want to share this morning. One is this. We need relationships. What that means is you are not designed for isolation. You know why this year has been hard? Now, now, get me wrong. There is a lot of you who are more introverted, who are like, this has been the best year of my life. Less people? I, can, I have an excuse to be homo. I have an excuse not to be around people. I get it. But whether you're introverted or extroverted, we still need people. You still need to grow with others. You still need to rub shoulders. You still need to have someone to pray with an encouraging talk. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are at the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You are not called to live as islands. You are called to live together. I'm going to read this. Jesus breaks through the social distancing and the feelings of isolation that accompany him. He walks through the social, the economic, the political, the religious barriers. He speaks the truth in love. He heals the brokenhearted and the downcast. He heals the sick and the sick of heart. He brings light to the dark places. Jesus reaches those who feel untouched and isolated. Jesus breaks through isolation. This is what he did. This is what he does. You don't agree with me? Read his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is all he did. When, the, when people had leprosy and they had to ring the bell to let them know they're coming in, Jesus wasn't going and waiting for them and separating and social distancing from the outcasts. It says that he first touched a leper and then the leper was healed. Now, that goes against every social distance. But it says that Jesus didn't heal him first. It says that he first touched the leper, then the leper was healed. We serve a God who touches us in the midst of our weakness and hurt and pain and sickness before we are healed. Amen? This is what's so crazy about this is Jesus says, I don't want anybody to be, I don't want anybody to be separate. I don't want anybody to be away. And he says, Jesus breaks through this. When my kids get mad, you know what I'm saying? We, maybe we have a situation just a few weeks ago. I'm not going to say who, but there was a little argument with one of our kids, one of our little ones. And they went to bed mad and they were up and they didn't want anything to do with us. We loved on them. We came close and they just kept on pushing us away. I wonder how many of us are like that way in our spiritual life right now. Maybe it's because this past year, few years, maybe you hold on to disappointment with the Lord. Maybe you hold on to resentment from God. Maybe your expectations weren't met. Maybe there's some massive pain and anger, some hurt. And without even, listen, without you even trying, you've been holding a grudge to the Lord and you've allowed there to be a separation. It's like animals have a defense mechanism. You're just pushing away without even thinking about it because you don't want the Lord to deal with something. We become defensive. You might think, how do I know I'm this way? I'll tell you right now. 
If there's an area in your life that you're overly defensive about and you don't want to deal with, that's probably something that you're pushing the Lord away on. You don't want to deal with. I look at Adam and Eve, and the goal of them was to walk with the Lord. They sinned. You know the story. They ate of the apple. And the first thing they did was hid. And they, they hid. Which is funny. They tried to hide from the Lord. And I think the funniest thing about the whole story is God, who knows everything, knows where they're at, and is the one who cries out, where are you at? <laughs> Came here to be with you, and where are you at? And they yelled out from behind a bush and said, we're over here. The question wasn't that God didn't know where they're at. He just wanted them to announce and reveal and to be honest about where they're at to the Lord. A lot of us today need to be honest with the Lord and say, I'm here. I'm holding resentment, anger. I'm disappointed. Not liking where these things are at. It's interesting. Jesus came to draw near. To draw us near. Isn't that funny? That's why we call it near. James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Next one is this, he designed, we are designed for connection or another word for proximity. We are designed for proximity. It's interesting what COVID has done to us is that if someone's within your six-foot range now, it feels like they're invading your space. Isn't it funny how it went from, like, anybody else have those friends who are, like, right in your business all the time? Like, when they talk to you, they're just right here. I do it to people, too, sometimes. But my wife's laughing at me because you do that. I, I, listen, I invade. I, people, I give people hugs when they don't want it. You understand. Like, I just invade people's space. It's interesting because now it's made this barrier, like, six feet. You know who's not good at it? This guy. <laughs> but I want to say this. I don't think we're built for proximity. I think we're built for proximity. I want to read this. I wrote this down a few days ago as I was doing my devotions. Distance and separation were really, think about it, marks of an old covenant, Old Testament covenant. When God appeared to even Moses, he said, don't come near yet. Take off your sandals. There were some steps that had to be done he revealed himself to Mount Sinai to his own chosen people later on. He gave him commands. And this is what scripture says. You shall not, you should set limits for the people all around. In the sacred worship of the tabernacle and the temple, the thought of distance was always prominent. You can't go forward. The majority of the people did not even enter the outer court or enter the inner court. None but the priests might even dare go in while into the inmost place of the Holy of Holies. The high priest entered by only once a year at that time, go near. It was as if the Lord, those early ages, was teaching them that sin separates, that there is a separation. But I love it because when the gospel came and Jesus came, it flipped the tables and it changed everything. When that curtain was ripped, it says, this old covenant is gone and I don't want any more separation between my people and me. I'm going to rip the veil. I'm going to rip the curtain. And I don't want there to be an inner court. I don't want there to be an outer court. I don't want there to be a steps. I just want you to be able to turn around and take a step. He goes, I want there to be an easy access into my kingdom. I want, there to, I want you to know I'm going to remove the distance. And the distance was replaced with nearness. 
And, and he who previously was far away became near to his people. I believe that we are designed to live in proximity with the Lord. You are designed to live near the Lord. This is the reason why we have a society of people through all the ages trying to figure out who they are and what they're going to do. And I'm telling you, the only way you're going to know who you are and what you're called to do is by knowing the creator and why he created you to do what you're created to do. Amen? This is why we are created. Because you can't look at an artist who designed a masterpiece and say, hey, I'm going to give you my knowledge of what your art piece is. That's not this. If you want to know why that piece was created and what the purpose behind that creation, you don't create it yourself. You ask the masterpiece designer, the artist himself to say, what is the motion and feeling? Why did you create this piece? But we are trying to figure out on our own saying, listen, I am created to do this. I am created to do this without knowing the creator. And then we get stuck going, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what's going on. I, I, don't, I feel like I'm losing myself. So my next question is this, then do you know where God's at? Where is your relationship with the Lord at? We are, we are designed to walk and live and have faith in the Lord. Last one is this, proximity is good, but proximity does not equal intimacy. Not just proximity, but proximity with intimacy. It's interesting, I used to work at the Marriott Downtown Hotel, Minneapolis. Actually, Dan Polky worked down there too. Dan and I worked down there. We would see a lot of famous people. Football teams would check in. I won't ever forget um, the day I was working in the front desk. And I'm, some of you may know him or not, but Jessica Simpson was married to Nicholas Shea at the time. And they said, Nicholas Shea is getting checked in. And I checked him in, short little dude. I mean, and listen, I remember if you guys are football fans or ESPN fans, Scott Berman checked in one time and he was at the restaurant and I went and talked to him. He gave me some fantasy football advice, didn't work, so that was fun. But listen, I, we've met some famous people because of working there. But here's what I tell you. I said, we met. I was around them, but I didn't know them. And they didn't know me. If you go up, go up to Nicholas Shea today and ask him, you remember Jarvis? He'd be like, who? If you go up to Chris Bourbon and go, nope. Because you can be around somebody, proximity, but it doesn't mean you know that person. I think about this. I Think about the life of Judas. I think this is really fascinating to me, the life of Jesus, Judas. Judas was in close proximity to Jesus for three years. Not just going to services, having meals, traveling, talking, catching fish, seeing miracles. He ate with Jesus, traveled with Jesus, was taught by Jesus. He was called by Jesus. Remember, Jesus called him out and said, follow me. He was called by Jesus, sent out in ministry by Jesus, and he even involved Judas in miracles by Jesus, like feeding the 5,000. Think about that. He was helping seeing the multiplication happen. 
However, he was not intimate in relationship with Jesus. He wasn't moved beyond superficial proximity to personal intimacy. Few people, listen to this, few people were in such proximity of Jesus. Not many. Think about the 12 disciples and then the friends Jesus had. But Judas never had an intimate relationship with the Lord. Jesus could say, I knew Jesus. I spent three years with him. I walked with him. He called me into ministry. He mentored me. He sent me out. He trusted me. He could say he knew Jesus, but the question is this. Did he really allow Jesus in? One of my running jokes in my life is I spent two years down at Evangel College in Missouri, and then I transferred to North Central for another three years. Shouldn't have taken five years of ministry, college ministry, to get my license, but here I am. Um, in between my years, I, I said goodbye to my friends in Missouri. You can ask my parents about this. That summer that I left Evangel College, I was asked to be in five weddings. Five. Groomsmen in four of them and an usher in another one. That means in one summer I had to buy, rent five tuxedos. I was working all summer just to pay off rental tuxedos. That's what I was doing. And traveling expenses. The irony that happened was a few years later my wife and I got married and we were going through the list of people. And what I realized is that the people that I was in a weddings with, that I was in their wedding, I didn't invite any of those people to my wedding. Isn't that weird? Think about that first. That's weird. I was in their weddings, but I didn't even invite them to my wedding. You might think, well, Jarvis, you're a jerk. This is weird. But here's what I look at it. All those people, when they were going through something, I, I, I was near them. I listened to their stories. They would come to my room. They were going through, all those people were going through hardships, and I was just near. Even then, I was trying to pastor them through their stuff. I was, they would actually probably consider me one of their closest friends. But what I realized was this. Even though they were near me, I wasn't near them. I didn't share my stuff with them. I... I wasn't really intimate with them. I wasn't going to their rooms and unloading. I wasn't doing that. And it's interesting because from their point of view, they had proximity and intimacy. From my point of view, I just had proximity, but I didn't have intimacy with them. You might be thinking, what does this have to do with everything? Well, I'll say this. I think it has everything because I think a lot of us live in this life where we live in proximity with God. We go to church. We read scripture. We might listen to some Christian. We, we talk sometimes this way. But when it comes to intimacy and knowing Jesus Christ, it might be not what we think. Judas had proximity but not, did not know intimacy. Judas, he sat around with the other disciples and heard the same teachings, witnessed the same miracles, and participated in Passover meals and observed the Sabbath. He produced a different harvest, though, than all the other disciples. The other disciples went on to see miracles. 
get martyred, start churches, start movements. But Judas went to betray the Lord. This wasn't because Jesus gave, hear me out, a different seed to Judas. It wasn't like Jesus was talking to the 11 separately and not including Judas in those conversations. It wasn't like he was saying, hey, I want you guys to hear this, but I don't want Judas to hear this. No, it's not like that at all. He gave the same seed, but the hearts that brought the soil was different. It was because the environment of Judas's heart, not the deepness of Jesus' love. Judas had proximity, but not intimacy of heart. He did not move from proximity to intimacy. And moving from proximity to intimacy with God starts with vulnerability. Starts with you being honest. And people say, you know what I hear a lot as a pastor? And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of driving me nuts. I have grace in it because I understand it because I was there myself. When I tell people, really have a relationship with the Lord. Oh, I try, pastor. I try. I try. I try. We have this all the time. I try. Listen, i got to keep on trying. Don't get me wrong. But then I say, what are you doing? Are you really surrendering this? Are you really giving it to the Lord? Are you really spending time? Oh, not right now. So then I say, are you really? If I look at my wife, what do you think she feels like if I say, how are you loving your wife? Well, I'm really trying to love her. I'm trying. <laughs> but my love for her doesn't come from me trying. My love from her comes from me spending and investing and loving my wife. I'm going to close with this. Dan and Brian, you guys can come up here. Matthew 26, 20 through 25. I'm not sure if this is on a screen or not, but I shared this last year, and I'm going to end. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this today. It says, when the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. This is before he was put on the cross at the Last Supper. While they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, this is all 12 disciples, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one another began to say, surely you don't mean I, Lord. You don't mean I, Lord, do you? Not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written. It's written about but woe to that man who betrays the Son of God. It would be better for him to be, had not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. I read this a couple of years ago, and like I couldn't get out of my head for weeks. And this is the reason why. Because every other disciple said, Lord, is it I? Except for one. And it said, Rabbi, is it I? Now listen, the word rabbi doesn't, it's not bad to use. It's not like a negative in that term. But it's really saying, teacher, is it I? Mentor, is it I? 
This carries a lot of weight to me because this shows proximity versus intimacy. He knew Jesus as teacher. He knew Jesus as rabbi. But I don't think he knew Jesus as Lord. I don't think he knew him in that way. I don't even know if he think he needed a Lord. I think he thought, I can do it myself. I can figure it out. I don't need you. I've done my own miracles with my own hands. Yeah, you were around. I don't need you. I don't need a Lord. Luke 2.11 says this, Today in the, t- in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Two powerful words. It says, He is the Savior and Lord. To the Savior who is Christ Jesus. In fact, over 80 times in the New Testament, Jesus is identified as Lord Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus the Lord. Too many people, listen, want a Savior and know they need a Savior, but they don't understand their deepness of surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you can't take one without the other. We all need the Savior, but we also need to surrender to the Lord. I'm going to stand up this morning. It's my main question for you. And this is just, honestly, nobody else can answer this. Your spouse can't answer this. Your friend can't answer this. Only you can answer this. And here's my question. I really, you need to examine your heart this morning and ask yourself this question. Do you know Jesus by proximity or by intimacy? Do you really know him? What's he speaking to you? What's he been revealing to you? What's he been talking to you about? Next question is, what is he challenging you on? What is he asking you to surrender? is he asking you to throw down? For some of you, what is he asking you to pick back up? Jesus is not just something that you add to your life. He's not a seasoning. It's either he is all or not all. It says be near and stay near. Like Paul says, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Nothing else matters. Did you fail this year? Sure, we all did. How do I fix it? What do I do right? Find the Lord. Surrender, which literally means give up. People ask all the time, back when I was a youth pastor, they used to ask, why do you raise your hands when you worship? And I would say a couple of things. One, I would say, when I have little, especially Sully right now, whenever he wants us to pick him up, he's like this. You know what I'm saying? I just pick him up. Two, if I'm being chased by the cops and they say, surrender, or whatever, you put your hands up, you want to reveal what's in your hands. You're like, I don't have any guns. I don't have nothing. Sometimes it's just revealing. When I say that COVID is a revealing year, it is because it's revealing 
stuff that we need to junk that we need to work on. But revealing is another step. Now that you know, it's now surrendering and making him Lord again. And can I just tell you, the people that have the hardest issue with this are controlling people. They want to control everything. They want everything to be the way they want it. You just got to surrender that. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with your business. Trust the Lord with your family, with your marriage, with your heart. We're going to bow our heads, close your eyes this morning. What if we ended this year better than we started? What if we ended 2020 better than we started? What if you're closer with the Lord today? What if you became more honest today than you've been all year? I'm telling you, that would change everything. A couple things is this. Number one, if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, he wants to draw you near. He wants to draw you near. If that's you this morning, no one's looking around, I just want you to raise your hand in this room. If you're here and you're saying, I need to, I need to give my heart to the Lord, I need to surrender to the Lord, this might be your first time ever. Just look at me. Raise up your hand. I see you. It's awesome. 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 If you're at home, it's okay too. You can say this prayer too. Everybody repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my heart. Be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Forgive me my sins. Help me to surrender to you. Help me to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me up. In Jesus' name, amen. We just believe in our church. Listen, that's a starting point, not a finishing point. Just believe that your relationship with the Lord starts. If you said that prayer, we want to pray with you. Last thing is this. Everybody look at me quick. If you are here, I don't want you to rush out today. I know service is ending and we've got one song left, but I want you to really ask yourself if there's a separation between you and the Lord. If you have proximity but not intimacy, you've got to ask some hard questions. It's time for and say, God, reveal to me what's in the way of not getting closer to you. So I just want to pray for you, Lord. I just pray right now in Jesus. Lord, you came for a relationship. You came to be near your people. You can't force a relationship, but I pray there's many in this room who are distant from you who need to become more near. Lord, we pray, Jesus' name, reveal the things in our hearts that are not of you, that are in our way, and help us, Lord, to seek you in a new way. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today here at Watermark Church. If you have any questions or want to learn more, you can visit us at www.stillwatermark.com. Thank you.